Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a snooze for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread Amplified. All right, guys, Greg Scheinman here. It is Midlife Mail Podcast time. Thank you so much for joining me this week and every week. The mission here at the Midlife Mail, help men navigate middle age to achieve a better quality of life. We cover the six Fs, family, fitness, finance, food, fashion, fun. Did I miss anything there? Family, fitness, finance, food, fashion, fun. Yup, that's six. Okay, sometimes I'm a little slow, but I got I got to put it out there twice. It's all important. It's all in the bucket. Striving to be that balanced man, if that's possible, and it's a thing, trying to do it in a sustainable fashion, in a manageable fashion, so that you are able to live constructively, productively, authentically, and accomplish those goals that you have for yourself. And none of us can get there alone. And a lot of us, if you're like me, don't really love asking for help, don't really want to be or feel comfortable, you know, raising your hand in that room, putting yourself out there in that manner trying to get better at it, become more self-aware, be more comfortable with vulnerability, more comfortable listening, more comfortable asking for help, collaborating, and just trying to genuinely improve. This week on the pod, I've got Brian Peters joining me, somebody who inspires and motivates me. He is not yet a midlife male, but he is certainly wise beyond his years in his 30s. Brian, a very successful athlete. He is an NFL veteran. His story of his journey, football, athletics, developing and growing as a person, coming out of Ohio into Northwestern University, working his ass off to make it in football through the Arena League, the Canadian Football League, into the NFL, through injuries, through trauma, learning about breath, training techniques, recovery, longevity, strength, conditioning, those aspects. I mean, the guy has a thirst for knowledge. Journaling, we talked about a lot. Meditation. I mean, the guy's, the guy's a hacker. He's a scientist. He is committed to chasing edges. His motto and forthcoming podcast, Chasing Edges. Can't wait for that. We get into his non-negotiables, daily non-negotiables, and setting up systems so that you can operate your life in an efficient, effective, 
and ultimately happy manner. And that stuff matters. This is a great conversation. I had the chance to meet Brian um, years ago at an XPT pool workout. He's into that stuff. I'm into that stuff. Um, we got a bunch of mutual friends in common as well. So we had a chance to just just roll, you know, on on this one. So I'm not even sure where uh, where Mike Matter is going to pick this one up. Probably right in the middle of the conversation as we're going, and he's like, "Are we started? Have we done this?" I'm like, "Yeah, we." I I hit the button the second you came online because that's where some really good stuff happens. Um, and we'll roll right through it. I like to keep these raw. I like to keep them unedited, unscripted, navigate these conversations and sit back and listen. Let these guys talk about what's important to them, what moves them. And hopefully it moves you too. You glean a little knowledge, a little insight. Take away from these conversations what you will. Keep some, kick some out. It's all good. That way you can you can develop your own systems, your own practices. Figure out what you like, what you don't, what feels authentic and good and right for you. So let's get into it this week on the Midlife Mail Podcast with Brian Peters. You know, the mission with this is really to try to help men you know, navigate middle age, achieve a better quality of life, um, avoid that midlife crisis, sustainability, longevity. Obviously, mindset plays a big deal with this. Um, you know, more, you know, techniques that guys may not be used to, you know, whether it's breath work, whether it's contrast therapy, you know, just consistency, discipline, the way you kind of live your, live your life. I mean, you're a younger guy, um, but I've got kind of two audiences. You know, one are, guys that need to get their shit back together and realize that the middle is not the end, you know, not yeah, the beginning sure. of the end, or they've, they've fallen off and there's really no glamor in this dad bod thing or dying at your desk or not having good experiences. Um, and then there's this other group that's coming out right now, which is, you know, the younger guys that are like, Hey, how do I get on that path? Like it's inevitable that I'm going to eventually be 40. You know, that I'm going to be 45. It's inevitable. And there is there's this great demographic of younger aspirational guys that are that are thinking ahead, you know, about, you know, if, how do I train so that I also can do things, you know, in in the future as opposed to blow myself out, you know, now. You know, how do I have a develop a career, you know, or transition from one thing, you know, to the next as I get older and think about, you know, what maybe more applicable, you know, in life or, or I may be faced with. So that's the kind of stuff that I, that I delve into. Yeah. Guaranteed dude. That's uh that's my realm. I've been living in that swimming in the depths of that recently too. Um, everything I've read, everything I, like I do for my family, all that stuff is with the intent of impacting people in that same way, because obviously like, like we, we can get really deep into it. Are we like, are we live right now? Or are we, you doing an intro? Well, I always, I just, you know, I always hit the button. I hit the button as soon as the other person's face shows up, because this is always where like the good stuff is. And sometimes I even tell my editor, I'm like, don't even edit, like just jump right in, play the intro. Okay. And just go right in to us just shooting the shit because that's what people want to hear. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And that's what it is. And then like, dude, there's, there's so much to unpack with what you just said with even just like the like fundamentals of life in general. Like that's why like what the mind strong stuff we've been doing, um, 
you kind of just get back to the bare roots of what life is and life is oxygen and in one just simple sense of the term like that's what we live off of that's the one thing we have to have and so if you start understanding the body from that aspect like why you breathe how you should breathe um and those compounding effects like that's the foundation when it comes to anything physical and mental because now like oxygen like control of your physiology actually leads to control your psychology so like in like simple form like the the brain like if you break it down super simple like you have the brain stem um which is basically um the autonomic nervous system in one way shape or form but then the limbic system um which is in the middle of the brain that's your emotions then you have your prefrontal cortex in the simplest form of the brain and like that's literally like all our conscious thought anticipation planning like all these things but that can obviously cause a recession to the limbic system as well so that's why we coach physiology at mindstrong so if you can control your physiology, you can eventually control your psychology. Like a lot of times you'll hear uh, psychology is just unresolved physiology and like your breathing patterns, all these things stack up very quickly and affect your access to your prefrontal cortex. So like Buddha talks about the, so he, he talks about it like with a fist. So you have the brainstem, you have the limbic system, and then you have the prefrontal cortex. So he calls this the monkey mind. So if you ever lose control, like if you lose control of your breath, emotions, all those things, you don't have control of this. So you want all this to be tight and compact. And so we coach creating space, like how to um, downregulate to a lot of athletes, um, even for people in the business world. We've been coaching a few CEOs now where like they're nervous to speak or nervous to give presentations mm -hmm. or what do other people think of me and that kind of thing. And in that, in that contrast, like the body doesn't know the difference between life and death like actual life and death and the stress that we cause in our mind and our physiology, that's life and death. So a lot of what we coach is again, like down regulation, controlling your state, getting oxygen to the tissue, maintaining full access to the brain. Cause that's why people can't solve problems. Like when you're nervous and like you lose track of your speech or anything like that is uh, your mind's regressing and protecting itself. And mm -hmm. you're, you're just a, you're just an animal. You're an animal with stories. So you got to control the story and control what's going on. And, the breath is the only thing we have control of in the autonomic nervous system. So like, that's why oxygen and coaching breath and understanding how to breathe, when to breathe is so damn important. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's fascinating stuff. If, if I back up a little bit, when and how did this become important to you? And I want to get into kind of your, your personal journey and your whole story, but like, it's clear, like immediately, like, okay, here's the passion. Here's the education. This is what I'm doing. You know, like, what was that tipping point for you? Was it gradual? Was it something you studied in school? Was it something you found during your playing days? Like, when was it like, hey, this lights me up and I'm going deep into this learning and now I'm going to be, you know, paying it forward and coaching people as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of both like the gradual and the traumatic that got me to where I'm at. Um, I was blessed enough to have an incredible doctor in my hometown that I, he got his hands on me at 16 when I busted an ankle like I couldn't walk. I could, then he messed with me, got me, um, out on the field and like the state playoffs in high school. Um, that kind of thing where like, and he opened my eyes. I didn't know how much of a savage he was until later down the road. Like he's working with some of the biggest names in baseball, like Jeter, Mariano Rivera, guys like that. He's like a consultant. He's, a, he's just this mad scientist named Eric Serrano. And then, um, but so he, he kind of introed me into the, um, the supplement world, the, the, like just some level of mindfulness with my body. 
like you're like he has this thick Puerto Rican accent where he just tells me like like Brian, you're a dumbass. You go, you, you you don't like you eat your stupid cereal and just tears me apart. This is in high school. So like so that level of awareness, and then he linked me with a trainer my last year of high school. His name's John Toma, who's now a doctor out in he's a chiropractor out in Arizona, and he's one of the most influential people in my life. Both those guys are. Um, and that that the dive into their side of life um, was gradual. Like I saw the quick benefits of training hard, training time under tension, training training range of motion and stuff in high school. And I showed up to college just cock lock and ready to rock. I showed up at two fifteen, ready to play and play heavy, play hard, and like I was stronger than everybody. So I was like, "Oh, this is going to be good." And then I got into the program and kind of plateaued. And like it, the training I was doing beforehand was more effective for me. But you get into college, you have to do what they say, that kind of stuff. And I knew about overtraining, so I didn't try and overtrain too much outside of that. But um, like my football career is pretty organic. Like I I didn't even get into like football football till like seventh eighth grade um wanted to be a quarterback eventually started playing safety loved hitting people was good at it um same thing with uh like offense i was playing receiving that kind of thing eventually got good enough to get a scholarship like oh i get to play in college for free great for my family go team and then um i got there and then like i I showed up like that and got a lot of confidence early then they redshirted me late so like I kind of lost my confidence and wanted the college scene and had to grow up really fast. Uh, not to grow up really fast. It took me a while at the beginning of college to grow up. I wanted to go back to Ohio because I show up to Northwestern thinking it's a normal college. No, it's 7,500 undergraduate. I grew up I grew up right down the street from Ohio University and Ohio State University, two mm-hmm. massive party schools. And so I thought at one point that's what I wanted. But so I grew up out of that with a lot of help from the head coach at Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald. Um my like football gained momentum. I eventually became a captain and like first team all big 10. I thought I had an opportunity to go to the NFL. And this is kind of where more of the trauma comes in from a motivational factor where um, I got no calls on draft day. I had an agent, had them t- people telling me they're going to draft me late, stuff like that. Didn't even get a free agent contract. I got like a couple workouts um, just where I had to take somebody else's spot. And I, I played really well at the two little rookie mini camps I went to. Didn't get picked up. Um, my agent shipped me out to the Arena Football League. Um, there, I thought I was already on the team when I got out there. I got out there. It was a 13-man tryout for two spots. Um, was lucky enough to win one of those spots. Played, like, stayed in shape playing f- from Arena Football for a month. Came back. Um, was My agent was trying to keep me from going to Canada at the time. Um, then eventually we kind of ran out of options. I went to the UFL real quick um, and got cut because they like NFL had their cuts. And then finally, my agent's like, all right, we'll send you to Canada. He didn't want to send you to Can- send me to Canada because it's like a two-year minimum deal, that kind of thing. And like this year is already rolling. But long story short, I eventually became my own agent, sent emails up to the CFL. One team responded, brought me up on the practice squad. And uh, this is like the big trauma for me. Like, I always knew I could, like once I got those tastes in like the rookie mini camps, I knew I could play. I was mm-hmm. playing first and third round draft picks in both places and uh held my own easy so I was like all right I know I can play and like that's that became my standard I know I can play in the NFL get to the NFL then so I go to Canada for their practice squad and I sign a two-year deal for the next two-year deal for next two years so it's 13 and 14 2013 and 2014 the day I get back from that quick little trip just to sign my contract basically um I get jumped by some bouncers uh me being the 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 good time guy I wanted to be 
at the time, um, which probably inhibited my football career taking off before then anyways. But I uh, got jumped, jaw broke, um, wired shut for seven weeks. And like, Mm. that was my trauma that opened my eyes to one that football could be taken away from me right then. I had like the first, one of the first doctors uh, told me because of how I cracked my mandibles too, that I couldn't play anymore. Um, That kind of thing. So I'm crushed and I'm like, so I've been on the couch for a week. I already shed like 20 pounds. I'm sipping liquid Percocet. Like it's my job. And then uh, I, uh, then my doctor shows up and he, he lives about 15 minutes away from me. And he's got a massive gym in his basement. He goes, he's like, get off your ass, like come with me. And so I, I, I start training and like, I'm a, like, I'm a competitive guy. I've always been competitive and mm-hmm. I'm usually a shit talker in the gym or like pushing or like juicy human being. So I get there. I can't talk any shit. Like I got <laughs> shut and I'm, I'm down there with a, like a mix and match group of people. Um, some like trainers, some professional athletes, 50 year old women hit two of his daughters, stuff like that. So and we're just training our balls off, like training super hard, training super smart, kind of how I was when I came out of high school. Because the guy he hooked me up with when I came out of high school was a disciple of his anyways. Um, like lots of um, – like it was crazy. We just trained massively on pull-ups, uh, strength, and hypertrophy. We went through different cycles of isometrics and things like this. A lot of Bulgarian split squats, a lot of um, – higher hypertrophy posts like these massive it's kind of like the conjugate method for west side in some capacity mm-hmm. but anyway so by the time i get wired like unwired i get all my weight and then some back i'm stronger than i've ever been and um at this point so this is like so i got jumped on halloween um couple so two months later i'm out i'm strong like i can talk i got fake teeth flipping in and out that kind of thing but i um I was looking to do the Northwestern Pro Day again, but switched to linebacker. Now I played safety in college. Now I want to be a linebacker. So I need a little bit more weight. I need more strength, all this stuff. Um, so I trained really hard for another six weeks to go hit their, um, their pro day again. Um, just get in front of NFL scouts again, even though I'm on a two-year contract in Canada. I never told Canada that I got jumped or anything like that. And then so, and the, so like three days before I go in, um go to go to my pro day my mom like has a massive heart issue like on the ground it's it's really she just got really lightheaded laid down took her to the hospital she has this massive tumor like floating flipping inside in and out of her heart (sighs) um craziness and like the tumor so they took it out ended up being like eight inch long like flat tumor kind of looked like a tail or an eel or something like that and then and i was just causing like and while i'd been home like i got her training again and that's how she kind of knew what to feel so it was kind of like this really big blessing wrapped up because it's been in there for years, I guess. She just never knew it. And then so she has open heart surgery like the day before I leave. And I'm not I'm not trying to go like I'm trying to stay with my mom. And then so she's like I'm, I stayed overnight with her in the hospital and like and she's like, you got to go. So I go and um, which is massively cool. Like I still have some really cool like voicemails left from it. But um yeah. So I go up there and I run. So I'm I weigh in like 22 pounds heavier than I did the year before. Post all this jaw crap and I run faster, jump higher. Um, every tested better in every category, which was really cool to see um, because I've gained the weight and that kind of thing. So I understand leg strength now. I understand the importance of that. And then um, 
eventually I go to Canada, um, stacked together a few, a couple good years up there. Um, went through, like they put me on P squad initially. I got active and then, uh, did really well, earned an opportunity back in the United States and the NFL, um, worked out for a few teams, discovered I had a blood condition in this, this prospect too. Uh, this unexplained low blood platelets. So the Eagles wouldn't sign me. The Saints like were like really hesitant to sign me, even though I killed their workout. And, uh, Eventually, I got I had fired an agent, hired an agent during this whole mishap, and eventually got a workout with the Vikings while the Saints were dragging their feet with their hematologist. And I didn't tell the Vikings about my blood; they didn't care. And <laughs> so I got signed to their P squad. Then uh, another crazy little thing. So I had a really good. I had like a couple interceptions in the preseason. Like was solid. Like loved the guys in Minnesota. Um, so they put me on a uh, P squad. They they don't really carry a lot of linebackers, but. Um, so I'm on practice squad and I get a call like week three to come play for the Texans. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that whole mismatch, my, my, like I'm at like a charity event for the Vikings at the time. And I, the, my agent says, go pick up your stuff and get to the airport. You have a flight in three hours. I go, Oh, let's ride. So I go to the stadium, try and grab all my stuff. The coaches wrangle me in and say, no, we want you to stay. We'll pay you full salary um, to stay on the practice squad. And we'll get you up as soon as we can. Um, but it'll happen. So like, basically like a guaranteed half a million dollars and the other one the the other path that you have to choose now is if you go get activated off practice squad you only get three guaranteed active games and they can cut you and all that kind of stuff again so i'm like going to the airport after talking to all the coaches and the gm and stuff and then i start like so i get to the airport and i'm still making the decision whether to stay or go and my agent's talking to the vikings texans all that kind of thing and then i'm talking to my people and like my eventually like my uh like some people were all in like guaranteed money get out like you you built equity here stay and then i had this one phone call with my my teammate from college dan persa and he goes what the hell are you like he goes this isn't even a question dude like you've been you spent three years in three different leagues to play in the nfl not practice in the nfl i go you're you're fucking right i'm getting i hopped on the plane like i i was the last person on the plane i was drinking a whiskey at the bar trying to make this decision. And I get on the plane, my mom and dad call me and they say, Hey, uh, me and your dad think you should stay in Minnesota. I was like, mom, I'm already on the plane. And the rest I like I had, then I had, I put together a strong four years in Houston and um, been trying to play still on and off the last year and a half, but seeing where things go right now. But um, in my time in Houston, that's where like a lot of this, my, in my mindset, it, it's always, I always called it like I'm chasing my own edges. I'm chasing edges. Mm-hmm. So like obviously in Canada, like I learned how to train when I broke my jaw. I found two really good mentors up in Canada to learn from supplement wise and training wise. In Houston, I had Cushing and JJ and John Simon and other studs down there and veterans to learn from. And I just kept trying to learn. I was getting supplement IVs. I, like I got really into red light therapy. I got into hyperbarics. I got then eventually the Texans at I think 2016 started paying for the, the sensory deprivation chamber, the float tank. And that's how I found that's how I found breath. I was just trying to hold my breath in there, just randomly, and got competitive with it. And the only two things at the time were free diving protocols and Wim Hof. So I got I tried mm-hmm. those, got up to hold my breath to almost four minutes, and and it it uh, applied deeply to my conditioning. Like my conditioning elevated, even though I wasn't running that much. So that's kind of my journey. And then now, like the mind strong stuff is just it's a it's my buddy got into like the cold and mental skills at the same time kind of I did. And we kind of just merged to make this kind of company that 
um, deals and mental skills and chasing edges and optimal performance, primal performance, nature, all these things that I love too. So yeah, that's my very long-winded story. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's, it's a remarkable story and one heck of a journey. And you and you know you need to hold your breath for four plus minutes to be able to just rattle all that stuff off. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's 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 unfathomable. You know what? Again, what you've gone through and again, what people go through. You know that that you don't see. You know from the outside looking in. I mean, almost anybody's life, like we don't see okay, what other people have to go through in order to get where they go. And one thing I really enjoy about doing this is a chance to sit back and just listen and go, okay, like there is no straight path. You know, none of this is linear at, at all. You know, as people grow, as they evolve, um, and you see, you know, what they've had to go through, it humanizes the whole thing. I mean, it gives, it grants authenticity, vulnerability, credibility, credibility to it, and it humanizes it. Um, and you start to think about who you want to listen to, you know, when, more more than others, because when you can identify with different aspects of the story um, and experience, like I had breakfast with a guy the other day, and he's like, "Look, look, there's two ways you can do this. You can go do this your way, mm-hmm. and it's going to take you five years, or I can save you five years mm-hmm. because the- I'm 20 years ahead of you already, and I know I can save you five. I can't jump you 20, okay, but I can absolutely save you five because I've been there, done that, screwed everything up along the way, and now I have something proven. So it's going to cost you a little bit of money. Like everything, it's going to cost you money. It's going to save you time. Like everything is kind of a, obviously, you know, a formula, you know, or an evaluation of what you want to do, you know, in there. Um, So it's remarkable. I mean, you you had a great run in Houston. I think, I think we met at the pool. We met at an XPT class. You know, when you were talking about getting into this, um, breath work, Wim Hof, you know, early adopters to this stuff. And then like XPT and what Laird is doing, you know, and those guys there, um, training underwater, that type of conditioning. That's, that's where we met. And I got, I had gotten hooked on, on that. I mean, it was my first experience of training underwater, the idea of sustainability, longevity, not taxing, you know, my joints, my muscles, the same way that I had been, and also starting to really put an emphasis on recovery. Um, having had no experience with cold, you know, or certainly contrast therapy, other than, sorry, I went to University of Michigan. So Michigan was the coldest I got. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ohio Northwestern, but there was no contrast therapy, um, ice heat and all that. And I've gotten really, uh, you know, really hooked on it. Um, and it's amazing how much better you feel, you know, consistency, discipline, all that. So I got to go here for a second, you know, what you've been, you got a lot of press last week. Okay. <laughs> you got a lot of press for getting out there on the lake. Okay. With JJ Watt, his brothers cutting a hole into <laughs> the ice, sitting in the wall. Like this, this went mainstream pretty, pretty quickly also. How does that happen again from the outside looking in? How do you guys get together, plan this, okay? Actually go out and 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 do this. Yeah. Um like so JJ's been like a, a slightly interested in the breath stuff here and there. Most of the guys busted my balls down in Houston when I'm like carrying dumbbells under the water and things like that. Um at, at one point I had guys betting on me how far I could swim underwater too, which is super funny, but um no, so at one point, like I had to rip the sauna pretty close to Pewaukee anyway. So I was like, Hey, like, like you trying to hit this while I'm through. And then I was going to come train with them for a few days. 
Um, so we just kind of did like, so we trained and then we planned for a recovery day. Like, like I, like I was just chirping him, like, we got to cut a hole in that pond of yours, put it to good use. And it just, it just, it materialized very quickly once we got out there and it, it was, I ended up being crazy hard to cut a hole in the ice cause we didn't have any, the right tools. So it was super funny. It turned into like a two hour ordeal just to make it happen. And then, um, I had our, I had Mindstrong's big sauna too. So, um, like a 16 person sauna, massive Kuma, Kuma wood burning stove, got it cooking to like 220, um, which I don't highly recommend, but, <laughs> but, that, but it was just, it was a cool experience. Like anytime I can do exposure in nature, like outside, like I go out of my way to make it happen now. Like just doing the, like the cold tub in my backyard, like doesn't cut it for me. Like it cuts it. Like it gets me in. like, I use it primarily like straight cold exposure by itself for meditation more than anything. And just like connecting my body and breath in the morning but um the contrast therapy like uh, that's where like when we put a bunch of athletes through it and that kind of stuff with mind strong like usually like it's really easy to see guys that are sore and like just hey just let's see how you feel right after this and this and tonight and how you sleep and like everyone's like yeah i love it i love it and like the, the watts all enjoyed it too yeah they they all got into it massively um and I think they're gonna keep doing it up there. They got a little hot tub right next to the, the ice too. But they, uh, I did. They they all killed it. And we we did a little bit of Wim Hof right before that, and uh, got the boys the full experience. What's your day like now? Like you're you're super consistent, super disciplined on this. What does your day look like? And then I want to take you to kind of again how this kind of can appeal, you know, to you know, not just athletes, you know, but again, just guys living their life that are balancing all other aspects and we'll cover that. But what does a day look like, like for you? you know yeah, I mean? for sure. I, I'll kind of preface it a little bit because like dealing with the like identity transition of football anyways, like that's like, it took me a, a couple months just to kind of realize that I need structure. And obviously like football always provided that, like it was seasonal, like my training was seasonal. My like recovery was always paired with my training. Like a lot of people run into the problem where like, a lot of people these days in CrossFit and all these things are training like pros, but they don't recover like pros. So they break. So like now as I was transitioning, like am transitioning, like I'm never going to be not under construction, but it took me probably five, six months to realize that like, and I realized this through journaling more than anything that eventually like my best days happen when I had structure, my best days happen when I woke up early and all these things. So eventually I created systems and routines to support that. So um, the things that became non-negotiable were the journaling and the cold exposure and the training in the morning. So I, like, I knock all that out and I'm 10 times more productive than if I just let things bleed or I train at 9am and I let the workout and the recovery bleed to noon. Then I shower and I eat and then now it's one thirty, two o'clock and the day's gone. And I, I got, I'd, I'd go to bed and just be pissed at myself a lot. So eventually I created enough uh, structure in the mornings. And I, I ran into a, a juicy little crew here in Columbus too, where um, like December, I started training at 4 a.m. with um, Corey Gregory. Um, and they have a, juice, a juicy little 4 a.m. crew out of old school gym, about 25 minutes from me. So I, I joined them about three days a week in that structure. And then I left with uh, some other uh a couple uh, one NFL guy now and a couple guys that played for three, four years. We just had a good little workout and running group um, where we'd get our heavy runs in on the days that I didn't go out to old school and that kind of thing. So um, 
eventually I found that system. And then, then I started learning outside of sport and creating more of an identity and like the strength and conditioning world. Um, and really just going down rabbit holes of anything that intrigued me, biohacking, um, poetry, all these things that just, um, I, I read a couple of phenomenal books too, that opened my eyes to what truly identity is. Um, how to let go of things, how to hold on to things, like how to make decisions without um, bias and things along those lines. And obviously with a massive respect for time, which you already mm-hmm. talked about, like um, where can you steal wisdom from a book or another human to save you years of time? Like that's why like you just read a book, you get a person's entire lifetime in a book. Like why would you not spend your time there? And, I, and I've, I've always preached it. So like, it's, it's funny just to see where the hypocrite in yourself comes out and what, frustrates you with others usually why you're frustrated with yourself for me um so i started seeing these little triggers of oh i'm not practicing what i preach so i need structure to do that and eventually like i found like just a good rhythm where um i'm not a slave to my routine like it happens i make room for life like some like some nights yeah i want to stay up um and watch a movie with my girlfriend or something along those lines so like now you create space for life to happen then I, I track my sleep and REM cycle. So like, you can always make, make up sleep with the next night or a nap or things along those lines. So it's just a, a bunch of little tweaks here and there, but I just have certain non-negotiables and some things are just like today's like be curious or go do something new like that, that kind of stuff just keeps the curiosity sparked in me. And that's where I kind of enjoy life more than like actually doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Now I can identify with that a lot, but what what makes also a lot of sense is you know, to build to build the structure to build the non negotiables, and then it, within that structure, you're also again what people I think tend to kind of miss in this is it free time, openness, curiosity, experiences. Those things are built into the system. They're not in place of the system or outside of the system. Where it's not those are the things that are coming first, and then I'm trying to back into you know, the, the non the system itself, it's more the system is designed to be efficient and effective and also allow for those things. So you don't beat yourself up over the night you stay up and watch that movie or falling a little bit behind on your sleep. Or you mentioned three days a week, you know, at 4am with Corey's that's, that's that max effort muscle. Yeah. Just yeah those, those, those Congo maniacs also, you know, that doesn't guys, Yeah. We, we, we got connections all over the place between Justin and the, the con brothers. Yeah. And those guys are lightening up now too. For, yeah. for, for sure. There's, there's a lot of max effort pre-workout in those guys. No, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, but the appreciation for building in open space, building in open time, um, and, and the value of those experiences there. Um, Talk to me a little bit more about MindStrong Project, the goals of MindStrong, what you're doing for them. Um, again, how the appeal could be outside of, let's say, the the pro athlete or the everyday athlete, you know, or, you know, maybe even just, as you said, the, the entrepreneur or the CEO or the guy that right now is, you know, juggling family, he's juggling finances, he's juggling fitness, he's juggling, um, you know, food and nutrition and, and you know, maybe rest. And, and they're also, what we just talked about is, is, you know, having some fun at the same time, you know, how do you put all these things together and somehow, um, you know, again, if you are struggling with your system, build a system, you know, that works for you. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so like our company actually started like targeting kids more than anything. Um, 
the the one of the baseball organizations that we we're affiliated with early, like they had some bouts with kids with depression and suicide attempts very randomly. And so like initially our push was to establish purpose. Um, and my buddy's a big baseball guy, but the co-founder uh, of MindStrong, Harvey Martin, who's an absolute, he's one of the best coaches I've ever met in my life. Um, he created a system, a diamond series in essence to um, kind of build our company upon where like, if you establish your home bases, your purpose, your why, whatever you want to call it. Um, and now you start identifying your life as a, in some ways as a system, or at least something that's manageable and tangible. Um, so first base is your standards and values. Like I want to be the hardest worker. I want to do this, whatever it ends up being. I want to be honest, whatever, all that, all those things. Then two, which is where most people fail is the systems to support your standards and values that are rooted in your purpose. So now you start, if I want to like my, at one point mine was like, my purpose was just to grow. So and in that point, like I needed to study, I had standards for me- like mental performance, physical performance, all those things. So now I needed to support those with systems of reading, studying, training, learning, like converse- having conversations with incredible humans like yourself, like that kind of stuff, like people that are in the same mind frame. And then you have third base is your vision. So you like you have to have something, you have to have a carrot in front of you in some um, aspect, and that should be rooted towards something in your purpose again. So now you give kids a system, but it applies to everybody in life. And then now that that grew into performance because a lot of the initial training was kind of breath, meditation, performance built in for these high school kids too, or something they can actually functionally do. And then we uh, we paid to have Harvey uh, get mentored by Brian McKenzie for a few months. Um, so he brought a lot of his performance skills and then we started adapting breath for sport. And then, so we started breaking it down into mechanics, function, um, cellular changes, and then eventually meditation. And those are all very, very different things to look at breath for. This is like a whole missing pillar in performance and life that we've gotten so far away from. And, uh, and that just snowballed, man. And it turned into a lot of different things that turn into training pro athletes and CEOs and, but all this stuff, all the, like the breast stuff is rooted in mental performance too. Like it's mental skills. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a lot of the frustration with sports psychology and psychology in general is it's so subjective. Like how am I feeling today? Like it's just your gauge constantly changes. Like again, like you're, you're a new human today than you were yesterday. You have new experiences. So really you can, you even really gauge your, happiness and sadness the day before with the person you are now so which is mind-blowing and then the mind plays tricks to a great book on this concept is stumbling upon happiness um i think his name is daniel gilbert who wrote it but like just book blew my mind because all he does is support basically the the mental tricks your own mind plays on you to support the past and anticipate the future and, and how the mind fills in gaps it's really cool but so now if you start one that's another reason why you can't even compare yourself to another person because their scale is different um, they use like an example of a birthday cake, like you surrounded by your family, like singing happy birthday with a drink in your hand. You might be an eight on the happiness scale. That might be a 7.2 to me or a 9.7, whatever it ends up being. So you can never compare happiness. You never control like all those things anyway. So very powerful. Um, but anyways, uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but so, but like the, the breath work gives you scale. So now you have your CO2 tolerance test. You can understand how reactive you are, how, how stressed you are. You have a gauge. And then now, like same thing, like, same, like everybody knows resting heart rate means healthy, but 
it's not as pounded home that low respiratory rates healthy as well. Like there's a reason why the, like with the classic example, like the tortoise and the hare, like there's a reason why hares live three to nine years and turtles live 120 years is respiratory rate. So like that's indicative of longevity, sustainability, same as low resting heart rate is. So you want to breathe slow, breathe low, like all these things compounded together. So now that's going to give you constant access to your human gift, your front of your brain, your creativity, your anticipation, your problem solving. So we always want you to have that no matter if you're a CEO or a professional athlete. Like that's like you, you can see in the NFL locker room that there's not a drastic difference between most of the guys in the room and your, especially your position room. It's all mm-hmm. made up mental. So you got to be a great problem solver and you got to be athletic. So um, and that, that again, that applies to everybody in life, especially like people that want to stay healthy and fit. And it's just, they're just great tools. Like the breath is a great tool. And then now if you start shifting into mechanics, why you should breathe and how it changes you cellularly, literally it just, it just makes so much sense. So I don't know if you tape your mouth at night. So like now like nose versus mouth breathing, the benefits, um, the, the, um, the nervous system, each one's tied to the cyst. Like, so nose is respiratory, mouth is digestive. Mm -hmm. Um, Mouth has underlying sympathetic nervous system, fight and flight. Nose is parasympathetic, rest and digest. So you should be breathing out of your nose the entire day. Um, it's going to keep you in a calmer state. Um, and there's a bu- we have a bunch of really fun examples and that kind of stuff with that too. Like just um, No, I don't tape my mouth. I've, I've never actually gone the route to tape my mouth. Yeah. I've seen a number of people both train with either masked or like even this was pre-COVID mask, either <laughs> masked, taped, you know, or again – However, consciously making an effort to continue to nasal breathe more and more and notice the differences in, in how I feel, reduction of, of even inflammation, like certain things um, that you just start to become conscious of and then also conscious of falling in, back into you know, bad habits or your old habit, which was always just gulping air you know, through your mouth at all that's what I was always, always doing. Yeah. And the nose wasn't the way that I was, I was breathing. Um, what are simple ways to start also? So we're not going, you know, one thing I try to I try to tell you guys, we're not going from zero, you know, to to a hundred here. I mean, if you haven't been doing shit, okay, your whole your whole life, okay, it is unrealistic and unsustainable to think that you are just going to cut a hole in a lake and go sit in, in 30 degree water, you know, or do this. Or you've been gulping air out of your mouth your whole life and and gulping down Dr. Peppers at the same time and to think you're going to be taping your mouth closed and getting on a, getting on an erg and rowing a thousand meters, you know, that way. What are some simple basic things that, you know, just, just your average layman can do to start getting into it, whether it's a box breathing app or, or or whatever it may be that you say, Hey, just give it a shot before you discount it or think we're all crazy and off the scale, you know, with this. And a bunch of us are, which is cool also. Yeah, for sure. But that's coming in time. You know, like you got to start here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I can go a lot of different places with that. But I think um, like if you just like the fastest way to make people feel it is probably the two breath, the Wim Hof breathing. Um, and then you can incorporate movement with it. Um, so like you do your super vents and then you dump all your oxygen in your lungs and you turn over and do push-ups. Like you would think with no oxygen in your lungs, oh, I can do 10 push-ups or whatever. No, like, like if you do the super vent for, again, with like it, it's, uh, it stacks upon itself where you can super vent. Like if you watch an intro, like, so like 
basic intro to Tumo, just watch Wim Hof intro to Wim Hof. And he'll have you go 30 breaths, exhale, hold, 30 breaths, or to in- inhale, hold for like 20 seconds, and then back through a couple times. But you can go deeper. Like you can, you can super vent for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, and you can go deeper and deeper, get more set, more oxygen to your brain, your fingertips, you'll get the tingles. People respond to physiological effects, so you know something's different, um, that kind of thing. And then you start holding your breath for longer than you think you could with no oxygen in your lungs. So you're like, wow wow, that's all I need. Like now I know something else is going on. And that's really like what Mindstrong we just try and do is change your mindset. So now, you know, oxygen's powerful. Now you like it, Wim Hof's intro to CO2 tolerance building, that kind of thing. But it's the same with the cold. Like we're just trying to reframe your mind. And so like, yeah, like ever since you were a kid, your mom's been telling you to go out with your gloves and your hat on, or you're going to die. <laughs> And so the same thing is like you see the boys outside training with our shirts off up in Minnesota last week for um, we're outside for 30 minutes with our shirts off. Like it's just you don't like you're reframing your mind like, oh, that hole in the ice won't kill me. It will not kill you. Like, yeah, I don't say go get in it right away either. Like start with a cold shower, 30 seconds, build to three minutes, stuff like that. And just start reframing your mind. And like the more comfortable you get in these stressors, like anytime you hit stress in your life, you're going to handle it better. You're going to have the physiological tools and the breath to help you downregulate and control the state. So like that's where like one of our big taglines, like if you can control your breath and environment, you can control the environment. Like if you can control your breath and position, you control the position. Same as like a deep squat or anything like that. Like there's a reason why that's hard. Like you don't own the position yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and which everything takes time and reps, but like with the breath work, that's a great place to start the, the Wim Hof stuff and, and insert some movement to it and start feeling that you can operate without oxygen in your lungs. So now it doesn't have to be oxygen in your lungs. Like now, you know, like when you're huffing and puffing and training or breathing hard in rush hour traffic and stuff like, no, my cells need the oxygen, not my lungs. So if I'm not in a fight and flight state, I'll breathe through my nose. I'll get access to the nitric oxide in the bottom of my lungs where it's the most dense. So now you get 10 to 20% more oxygen absorption to the cell and all this stuff compounds and adds up. And it's very simple things. Just breathe it. Like literally just be conscious of your breath is the only thing we want from anybody in the world. And then breathe in through your nose. And then Mm -hmm. if you want want to be a dog, start getting into Wim Hof and like follow your heart from there. But like, that's all you need. And it's like, it just goes to show you like what, but like, so now, like, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but like, like, like but rush hour traffic is just a great microcosm for this because you're lo- like, everybody's, you've been up in the morning, you've been working all day and you're, you're home, you're on empty. Um, you don't have access to your whole front of your mind because you're exhausted and you're reactive and that's your limbic system, your emotions, like you're regressing, mm-hmm. you're regressing down the evolutionary chart, you're becoming an animal and you're irritable. So like, that's where like, a, like, a, like you coming home to your kids or something like that. Like, that's where the breath's a tool, like downshift, downregulate, like get ready to walk in and solve problems and love your family and that kind of stuff. Like it's important. And that's all we want you to have is tools to do so. And an awareness to know that your breath is what you can control in the situation to get that mind back, to get a little more energy, like all that stuff. And there's a bunch of like pre-workout protocols to get more red blood cells and become more awake and things like that. But like, that's not what you're asking for right here, but. And it's both. I think, I think it's absolutely both. One, you can go as far and you can go as deep as, as you possibly want. You know, there's always going to be 
another level, you know, that you can get to at anything. Um, but, but the point here and, and you articulated it really well is that it's applicable to whatever, you know, your, your vocation is or whatever your uh, situation may be that might be causing stress, maybe causing anxiety, maybe causing an increase in heart rate, maybe, you know, your blood might be boiling a little bit and whatever it causes. I mean, you may be super, super comfortable, um, you know, in a highly physical environment, you know, what's, what, what you may thrive in, okay. You know, under the bar, under the weight in that garage, wherever it may be, like that may be where you feel the calmest in the highest stress environment. Like, like I don't love like getting dressed up and having to sit in that boardroom, you know, like, like that meeting that you don't want to, like, where do you feel confident? Where do you feel secure? Where do you feel at ease? Where are you breathing better versus where you're not? And it's all, and it's, that's different for everyone. As you said, it could be entering your house. Does that increase or decrease stress, you know, for some people (laughs) at the end of the day, it's why some guys stay longer in the office or later in the office. It just depends. Uh, But it's the same process of what you got to do, as you said, to kind of, you know, reset your breathing or downregulate, as you called it, or get yourself back on track because you're not going to perform well anywhere. If you're gulping air, you know, you know, through your mouth or your stress rate, your anxiety rate, your heart rate is up and you're just churning through your know, oxygen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So like just respiratory rates just such a strong signal to the brainstem. Like we talk about it, like, like the lungs are kind of like wind chimes. The faster you breathe, the more you are alert and anxious and that kind of thing. Like which in performance, you're, it's fine to breathe out of your mouth. Like if you're breathing through your nose in performance, like you're either training that for CO2 tolerance or like it's, you're not really doing the right thing. Like, mm-hmm. the, that, like the nose is just a down regulatory tool in performance. When you're breathing, breathe however is natural because you're fighting. And what I like about this a lot also is that, and I, and I don't want this to go without being said, is that this again can be done by anybody at any stage, any age, whatever their current health or whatever situation is. This is not something you have to be jacked for. We are not talking about, you know, getting under heavy load or getting underwater or doing anything else. And I think sometimes that gets lost in some of the conversations. Um, but, you know, I tend to put an emphasis on health and wellness and fitness and pushing it. But when we really dial it back, you know, um, you know, one message I want to be out there is that this stuff is applicable. It's reachable. You know, it's right within your reach to start and to try. And the emphasis is not on aesthetics. The emphasis is not on being jacked. The emphasis isn't on any of that. The emphasis is simply on, I mean, can you perform better based on how you can control the manner in which you're breathing, again, your heart rate, your stresses or anything. And then you may be even more interested in taking some extra steps from there, but you're not well positioned to take any real positive, great steps. If you, if you can't get that first piece kind of dialed in and under control. Yeah. And it like, it goes even deeper just cause like, again, like strong breath and strong breathing muscles build a strong core. So like, if you don't have like a strong diaphragm and a strong pelvic floor, which are the two, bigger functions in the breathing muscles, um, you're not going to be a stable athlete. Like your spine's not going to be supported or aligned properly if you don't have the right core strength there. So like there's a bunch of benefits to it too. But yeah, like um, I think the breath is the, the perfect place to start. Because again, like if you like once you start breathing normal through your nose, like the nasal cavity is like if you don't use it, you lose it concept. So yeah, it takes time to develop and signal to the, like some people like when they go through TUMO the first time, their nose will burn. 
Like you'll actually be bursting blood vessels and the sensitive tissue inside your nasal cavity because you're not used to that speed and friction, but that's a signal to start creating space. And like, it's just, it's super powerful. And it's just like from a cellular function standpoint, like you want to maximize that because like oxygen, like oxygen in the blood is one of the things that helps fight bacteria and viruses too. And like, it's kind of a weird little paradox there because if you put the oximeter on your finger, it doesn't matter if you're 400 pounds or hundred pounds, everybody's 95 to 99% oxygen. doesn't matter your state. So the problem is not oxygen. Everybody has enough. You're over breathing out of your mouth anyway. So the oxygen is readily available. So if you actually have too much oxygen in your, in your system, your veins and arteries will actually get a little bit smaller because like you have plenty. So now you kind of want to train your CO2 tolerance to start using the oxygen and getting it deeper into the cells, blah, 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 blah. But like, so just over time, that awareness on your breath as a starting point is massive. Like it's like compound interest in life. <laughs> it just, each breath is either helping or hurting you. Are you a hot or cold guy? Which one do you prefer? Uh, cold. You're saying in the contrast world? Either. I mean, you're living in Ohio too. Like, I mean, are, yeah. we, are we staying in the cold weather or are we uh, moving to the beach at some I point? Think, I think I'm going to be a seasonal bird. And when it's all said and done, once I get my life in order to um, be multiple, be pretty mobile, whether it's with or without a family, that kind of deal is still sorting itself out. But um, no, I like, like location wise, I, I like like the lower Midwest where you still get all the seasons, but like it airs on the side of heavier um, summer, spring type stuff. But no, like, but then when it comes to like sauna and ice, man, like cold's my meditation, three, like guaranteed three minutes every day. And mm-hmm. then uh, I meditate as well, which is a whole different practice from all the mechanics. And that's a whole different monster. <laughs> <laughs> totally we can do we can do a much deeper dive into into that into that on the next round you're an experienced guy too um i things obviously have changed a lot but you know what's on the radar what do you want to do what goals have you said you say, okay i need to go here i gotta jump off this i gotta dive here i guess you you probably got something you know you got more than something you know swimming around in there it might be in the front of this notebook or if, <laughs> um yeah, dude. I mean, so I, mean, I like I make lists, like life lists, like that all the time, and then uh, I try and knock off a couple a year. But then, like, at, like goals outside of that, like there's knowledge I want, there's skills I want. Like, I like I just started learning Spanish. I want to. Um, I'm hopefully in the next two weeks going to get CSCS certified and Westside Barbell certified um, for strength training. Just grow my knowledge there because I have a really interesting foundation with my two doctors. They're both pretty extremist and how they they train and live and that kind of thing so um but then outside of that like i consider myself an extremist like and it's one of the problems when i was younger i wanted to bet like i wanted to be the hardest worker and i wanted to ha- party the hardest and like those those are a paradox in them of themselves that mm-hmm. i didn't understand or didn't have the level of understanding at that time to use that in productive ways like at the end of the days like like the the booze and the girls don't really do anything for you in life. Like it's just, it's now it's importance. It's wisdom. Apply what you've learned. And yeah, like I want to go swim with sharks in South Africa. I want to climb Kilimanjaro. Like I want to see the pyramids. Like I want to skydive certain places. I want to surf with savages. Like I want to do a lot of crazy things. And I, I truly believe I'll do all those things. And I think, um, kind of my perspective on that. I like, I want to basically like live a life I want and find out a way to make money in the process, <laughs> um, which like, like everybody pays their dues and has to grind and that kind of stuff. But like, if like you understand the desire for what it is 
then it gets a lot easier to do the hard stuff. And like, that's like, I, I preach it a lot. And one of my favorite humans to listen to and read is Naval Ravikant. He's an angel investor, but he's been on Rogan and Tim Ferriss and all those guys. But his, his definition of a desire is just, um, it's an agreement with yourself to be unhappy till you get that thing. So like, if you, if like, that's why like, bef- like before I do anything or coach anybody, like I have them like pick their desires, go, like visualize like everything down to detail, like mm-hmm. write five pages on the girl you want, 10 pages on like the day that you sign your pro contract, who's with you, who texted you, what you're wearing, what house you woke up in, all that kind of stuff and make it crazy hyper aware and understand like, if you truly want that, you're shaking hands with yourself to be like, yo, like we got to grind, we got to recover, we got to do all these massive things to get that. And so now you can't like pick up desires willy nilly and you can't say, oh, I want the car. I want the party life. I want this house. I want to support my family here. Like all these crazy things that come with some with professional sports, but other things in life as well. Like be very conscious of the desires you pick up because again, like minimalism is incredibly psychologically powerful. So mm-hmm. and if you make and then like you, you, every book you read these days, all the self-help books basically say like at the end of the day, you have to commit to something and then everything else can fi- find the wayside and you can find your blinders and that's how you get stuff. Yep. You got to define again, whether it's your relationship with money, you know, or whether it's the relationship um, you want to have with you know, some people work to live, some people live to work. Um, in what page of your journal are the experiences, you know, uh, versus, okay, how am I going to afford the experiences, you know, or, the, <coughs> or okay, you know, we run down this all the time. You, know, you got basically, you're going to wear one watch, you know, at a time. Do you need 20? You know, like how many cars are you, are you going to drive? Like, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. Okay. It can buy a lot of experiences that provide happiness. You know, there's, again, there's a fundamental balance in this and you can take that in from, from all sorts of people. There's no shortage of self-help books you know, out there, yeah, different, you know, perspectives on it. But the point that you made, which is also really good, is you've got to commit, you got to commit to something. You got to commit to some direction and you got to go in it. Otherwise you could spend a lot of time, um, being pushed and pulled in all different directions, you know, and never get anywhere. You know, you put two super strong guys tugging on that rope in opposite directions, that little flag in the middle, you know, it's not going to move. Nobody's winning that game of tug of war overall. Yeah. You got to go somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. At one point, indecision becomes the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Like, like, so I've been in, uh, I've been flirting with these concepts recently where like really just like, when, when you don't know where to shoot, you at least got to take a shot and see what happens, throw shit to the wall, just hear the gun go off kind of mindset. And then you figure it out. Like you reevaluate. And that's why I journal now. Like I journal. That's one of my non-negotiables because it's been so cool to look back over this last year and be like, oh, I was thinking these same thoughts a year ago. I should probably resolve that. Or, mm-hmm. or like, oh, I did this. Wow, that's powerful to read that. I said I wanted to do this and I did it. Stuff, like stuff like that. That's why I, like, I love that. And like that side of commitment. And happiness is a whole different beast too like emotions are a whole different beast too where like that's where like i've made a lot of headway and basically how i identify myself like i I, I take my emotions out of it now like i never identify my emotions i try and create the best system to be in these emotional states but at the end of the day like like a like a problem that we see a lot and a problem that i now am conscious of like people say i'm depressed people say i'm happy People say all these things like, no, you're not like you're experiencing depression. You're experiencing happiness. But like 
you're going to experience the full spectrum of emotions your entire life. Never identify with them. Like, yeah, understand like where you feel the best, but physically, mentally, spiritually, all those things and surround yourself with people that do that. Surround yourself with habits that support those feelings. And eventually like you're going to experience more good feelings than bad. Like that's, that's the whole goal. But, like, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's, that, that, that's really astute and that, you know, so quick to identify with one thing or another, as opposed to being, we're all of these things. Maybe the goal is I want to be more, I want to have more of these days like this and less of these days or fewer of these days like this. So what steps am I going to take again? What systems am I going to put in place so I can have more of those days and not irresponsibly just throwing caution to the wind? I mean, yeah. Like, it, it, I didn't quit drinking because I wasn't good at it. I quit drinking because I was really fucking good at it. Okay. Like, yeah. So now I don't really do it anymore because, you know, that's not where my, where my effort or energy needs, needs to go. And I can, be, but had I recovered better, had it been working for me okay, in there, then maybe, you, but when something doesn't work, like, and it's causing you stress or causing you anxiety or, or, you can really point to go, yeah, the, I'm having bad results and I'm having bad results because of this. So it's not that much fun anymore or great anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to replace those things. Yeah. You got to constantly reevaluate and it's, it's, it's just, it's your own little game of life, dude. Like it's, that's the fun part of life where like you can, like you have no responsibility to be the person you were five years ago, five days ago, five minutes ago. Like the mind is that powerful. And like, obviously like you have to understand the psychology of creating habits, but um look 4 a.m has a totally different meaning for you today than it did you know five years ago guarantee it's a mental edge like like, and it's so peaceful like nobody's up nobody's on the road like it's just and then you get like i'm I'm home at 6 30 like a lot of my boxes are checked um i do cold before i go i don't always get my breath in but like i'm not a slave to that routine like i can like i can adapt and like if I don't get my breath in before my workout, my whole day's not ruined. You can't be a slave to the routine. The routine can't own you. You own your routine. And that's why you like it's controlled chaos. Like you allow for life. Like so much in your life you can't control anyway, so why try and control it? So that that's where that's where I like that that kind of format and creating your own value in the four AMs of your life and that kind of thing where that it just it come then again, dude, it's compound interest. Like it's just so it's and it's fun. Like now like you don't have the the two nights of drinking that wear on you for four days, like you, now may, maybe you cut it to one day or now you cut it to a certain amount of drinks and that kind of thing. And just adds up. It's just that, that that's, that's the guinea pig of myself that I enjoy. Like that's kind of, I, I get a lot of fulfillment from trying stuff, new stuff, new breathing protocols, training protocols, all that stuff. Well, that's it also right there. And, it, and it's great is, you know, you're doing things that are filling your tank as opposed to emptying it you know, there, and you're constantly looking for that. You're chasing, whether you call it chasing edges, you know, or, or it's, you know, chasing total life wellness that I've heard and I kind of identify with, or, you know, whatever you're doing to, you know, configure and conform your life and your systems that act, that work, you know, the, you know, the key is self-awareness or developing some self-awareness or maybe surrounding yourself with people that will force some awareness onto you. If you're not, if you're not yet there, you know, in terms of, of self-awareness or slightly skewing to the delusional side as I've done for a while too. No, 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 no. You need a little course correction over there. You're not seeing this the way the rest of us, you know, are, are seeing you overall. Um, they're, they're all, all super great points. Um, 
MindStrong Project, Chasing Edges, 4AM Club, Cutting Big Holes in Crazy Lakes. By the way, was that shallow? I got to ask the dumb question right now. So like, how deep was that thing? Was your ass like on the ground? Like, I was wondering how you guys got in there or are you just like... Yeah, you, you, you use the sides like a pool. So you get both hands for leverage. But no, that, I think that was probably like maybe four feet deep. So like you kind of like were sitting in a chair with the buoyancy of the water, especially with the ice, it kind of like push you. Like you have no problem getting in and out. Okay, there you go. There's my there's my dumb question at the end. I'm like, how are these guys like, okay, no, like no, little I, legs I, going I, underneath I, like the duck, you know, or like how deep is this lake? No, I got that from like 10 people, yeah. That that's awesome. Brian, I really appreciate your time. It was great chatting with you today. And thank you so much for for all the knowledge, all the insight, all the wisdom. How can people find you, Mindstrong Project, what you're up to, uh, and get on board with everything? Yeah, the so Mindstrong Project, we're on Instagram, then you can like follow all the links from there. Um we have some cool like membership programs and like where we coach breath very regularly with movement and that kind of thing. Then I'm Brian underscore Peters ten on social media stuff and that's where I'm active ish. And then uh uh your boy's throwing us at in the podcast game here soon too, so you'll you'll see me around. Very awesome. Well listen, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Brian Peters, Midlife Mail Podcast. Guys, find him, follow him, check out everything he is up to. If you like what you hear, please give us that five-star rating. Give us a nice review. Share this with your friends so we can keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Brian, hang for one second. We'll let this whole thing upload, um, get it all done. Don't want to lose any of these gems that are here. Thank you so much. Guys, until next week, gregscheinman.com. Get that newsletter every Sunday in your inbox as well. Thank you so much. 